Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org slash anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of the Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. He should be here shortly. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about tonight. There's a lot of weird things going on in terms of rumors of the offseason, things that we're not really expecting, but here they are. Uh, we were originally going to have Brad Robinson on this show, but unfortunately he could not make it tonight due to some uh, medical issues. Sounds like everything's okay. He's just recovering from a minor surgery. Next week, we hope to have him on, so be on the lookout for that. He's a great insider. Look forward to having him and a few more special guests on in the future. But tonight, it's just going to be us holding down the fort. We'll just kind of talk about what the main rumors are going on right now. Long story short, a lot of the people who are covering the Cubs, whether it's beat writers or reporters or whatever, are basically saying they feel that the Cubs are not going to spend. And we all know who's on the market, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, among many others. Right now, Bryce Harper would go for a ton of money, so would Manny Machado. And there was a report coming out today that Bryce Harper was given an offer by the Washington Nationals, the team he's been with since he was drafted. Apparently, according to Chelsea James, roughly $300 million for 10 years. No opt-outs included. And that was denied. I don't know if that was a real offer or kind of saying, well, we tried to get him back, but he said no. That's kind of one of the biggest questions. But what does come to a surprise, hearing that the Cubs may not spend a lot and that a lot of it has to do with the luxury tax, a lot of it has to do with the future. This is kind of a weird spot. We weren't really expecting this. A lot of people are upset by these early rumblings. Theo Epstein talked to the media the other day, basically saying that nothing was off the table, but the way he kind of talked, he said he had faith in a lot of the guys he had. In the press conference after the season ended, he sounded pretty mad and ready to make some big changes. And this isn't just one reporter saying that the Cubs may not spend a lot this year. This is from multiple people saying that they feel like the Cubs are not going to spend a lot this year. Does that necessarily mean there wouldn't be a lot of big changes? No, there could be trades. There could be different moves. You can improve the team without spending a whole lot of money, but what you don't want is to really see the Cubs stand pat because while they do have a very good team, they won 95 games last year, I think you could just say you want to see another bat in there, maybe two. Does that mean like trading guys like Almora or Schwarber or Hap? Does that mean signing a free agent? It could mean a lot of things. 
I think that it's really early to kind of determine on what's going to happen here. And I don't think Theo Epstein just going to come out and say, you know, we're not going to really do anything. You know, there's, we're going to stand pat. I mean, I, I just, I, it, to me, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to tell everybody what you're going to do and what you're doing is not a lot. I know that's not really what the reports are saying. It's basically the reports are saying is that they're not going to spend a lot of money. Again, we don't really know what's going to happen. This is a lot of speculation, but from pretty good and reliable sources. I think we have Adam on. What are your whole thoughts just initially on the whole thing that they may not spend a lot of money? Do you think it's speculation? Do you think there's legitimacy behind it because of the amount of reports there have been? Or are you just thinking that nobody really knows for sure what's going to happen? Yeah, it's probably the latter. I don't think any of us outside the organization can really know for sure what their game plan is. And look, I'm I'm also of the opinion that they don't need to spend a boatload of money this off season. I absolutely want them to go after Bryce Harper, but if they don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think they need him. Uh, I don't think they, they need him to make a World Series push next year. I think they pretty much already have most of the pieces they need in place already. Uh, I really think the bullpen is the only thing that they need to to amp up. You know, I was kind of saying when uh, before you came on that you can change your team in a lot of ways. I think that if they indeed don't spend a lot of money, you're going to see some trades. I do not buy for a second that they're just going to stand pat. They're going to do something. It could be a huge trade. It could be a big signing. It could be a few signings and a big trade, a smaller trade and some big signings. Who knows? Well, I'd heard a rumor today that the Seattle Mariners might be uh, thinking about just tearing it all down and starting over. And if that's the case, they could have some interesting trade pieces for the Cubs. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, that uh, rumor is going around a lot. And imagine being a Mariners fan tearing down something that never even made it to the playoffs. Like, yeah, you I imagine? Always, yeah, I always kind of thought it was a mistake that they just kept going for it. I mean, I, I, I suppose I, I can respect it in a sense that you're not giving up, but it never – it always just felt kind of obvious that, that they didn't have enough. What's unfortunate for them is they played well. 89 and 73. That's not a bad season. And I think Scott Service, the former Cub, is a really fine manager. But when you're in a division with the Houston Astros, yeah, yeah good luck with that. I'm looking yeah, at the exactly. roster now. Is there anyone that would stand out to you that would be interesting on the Cubs? I'm curious to see what you think. Maybe Gene Segura if the Cubs really are going to be done with Addison Russell. And we've all heard that apparently they're, they haven't closed the door on uh, bringing him back once the suspension is up. But if they do decide to part ways, I think Gene Segura could be intriguing. That is a very interesting name. He's only 28. Last year, he had 304, 341, 415, 10 home runs. If you had him at short and you had Baez over at second base, I think that's a pretty good middle infield right there. And I've always liked Gene Segura. So I think that is a very, very interesting piece that you pointed out. You know, another one, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but he was on the team last year. I don't necessarily think he's the right fit for the Cubs, but I'm sure people are going to be calling about D. Gordon. I, I, he might be a free agent. I don't think he's going to be a Cub target. But there's a lot of guys on that 2018 Mariners team that are very appealing. 
it's weird to think Nelson Cruz, he's going to be 38, but he's still hitting you nearly 40 home runs a season. Yeah, that that could be an interesting one, too. Um, maybe even James Paxton. I know that it looks right now like their rotation is pretty much set, but I think we've heard uh, Theo say that they're going to, in some way or another, prepare for the worst regarding you, Darvish. And so it, if they are missing a pitcher down the road, I think James Paxton could be somebody to look at. Very underrated guy. He's put up some solid numbers. Uh, 323 fifth last year. He had the no-hitter. And it's kind of sad to see the fall of grace from Felix Hernandez when I look at this uh, team. But, yeah, James Paxton was probably the pitcher raising the most eyebrows last year for the Seattle Mariners. I'm still not counting on the Cubs doing anything major starting pitching-wise. They just did that. They brought Cole Hamels back. I think that was their big move. You have your rotation basically in place. And whether or not you believe in what you Darvish can do, I feel like with the money the Cubs are paying him and what they kind of expected him to do when they brought him in, you kind of have to have faith in the guy. Whether or not you really do, he's he's there, and you're going to have to make him work. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, but – it just it feels like they they're going to they've got a backup plan in place and it may not be public uh, they're probably not going to tell us what that is but uh, I don't think they're banking on you Darvish being a hundred percent this season. Yeah, that's something that we'll have to wait and see. It's an interesting thought, definitely. Um, in other terms of the Cubs. The offense. You know, I was talking about the possibilities of either trades or signings. I mean, there's, to me, there's not really a glaring hole, per se, in, like, the basic everyday team, so to speak. Maybe you could say it's Hayward's bat, though better, not great. Maybe it's too much inconsistency from Albert Almora. Maybe it's a few too many strikeouts from Kyle Schwarber. But I think that the overall idea of signing a bat is to simply make it better and not fill a hole. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose it does. I mean, it's you always want to improve your team. There's a difference between improving your team and filling holes. Sure, there's going to be holes for every team every offseason. That's just how sports is. But I think the idea of adding a huge bat is really for the purpose of improving and making the most of your window, which I don't necessarily think is bad or unnecessary to do. I think it's very beneficial for the Cubs to make a significant move or two this offseason to improve your offense, even if Chili Davis is gone. I think that there is an actual need to improve your team, even if there isn't one solid glaring hole. If you make an improvement, you'll have to do some shuffling, but, you know, it's it's basically shining a car. It's not putting a new door on it. Right, yeah. I pretty much agree with you 100%. Like I said, I don't think they necessarily need to make a huge signing in order to be uh, contenders next year, but but you're right. Their window, their winning window is right now. 
it's not going to last forever, and so they probably should go for it. They should. Uh, I would be gunning after Bryce Harper as hard as possible. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have to have conversations. So before we get into some of the intriguing free agents that we want to bring up outside Harper and Machado, maybe just for an offensive perspective, um, I took a poll on Twitter, and I basically asked, what do you guys think the Cubs are going to do based on these reports, saying that they might not spend a lot this offseason? First option, not spend much and stand pat. Second, they'll spend in the end. Third, trades over spending. Or, honestly, no idea. 5% said they'll stand pat. So, while a lot of Cubs people on Twitter were reacting the way they did, you know, either disappointed or, you know, maybe jumping conclusions a little too early, which we're all guilty of doing, let's face it. Only 5% on this poll voted for they're not going to do much. 60% said they'll spend in the end. So I think people are still kind of waiting for the Cubs to do something and that there's just a lot of smoke screening here. And again, I know the Cubs are usually up front with what they want, but to really leak out that they're not going to do anything, it just doesn't seem smart strategy-wise. And we know Theo is not an idiot, um, but you never know. Third, trade over spending, 12%. And then 23%, honestly don't know. And that's kind of, I'm in between they'll spend in the end and honestly don't know. Because anything can happen, but I think they're going to do something. Yeah, I I voted for honestly no clue because that's, at this point, neither scenario would surprise me. If they spent boatloads of cash and made a huge splash, that would not shock me. Um, if they really didn't do anything major, just kind of made some some minor but significant trades, that wouldn't surprise me either. So, so I, I have no clue. Yeah, I think in the end of the day, we really do have no clue, even though we have our guesses. You know, only ownership and CEO kind of – has an idea. Maybe they don't know what they're going to do yet. Who knows? They probably have an idea of what they want to do, but it's a matter of making things happen. And, you know, there's obviously a long season ahead of us, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, in terms of free agents, I know we talked a lot about this last week, but there are a few guys I wanted to bring up with you. Um, one is the one I wrote about, Andrew McCutcheon. Just what would you think of that, out of the blue, Andrew McCutcheon? Would you be happy? Would you not want it? Would you just be all right about it? Well, I I think for the right price, I I would be okay with it. Um, my thing is, Andrew McCutcheon, I think, is still at a point in his career where he probably needs to be starting every day. And I'm not sure the Cubs are an ideal fit for him. You know, having Schwarber, Almora, and Hayward out there already um, – I just am not sure he would be willing to do sort of a platoon role. But I do I like Andrew McCutcheon a lot. Obviously, he's not prime Andrew McCutcheon anymore. But I, we've always said that there's something to be said for having veteran leadership on the team. Uh, it does seem to make a difference. The Cubs, it seems to benefit them a lot. So as much as I would love to have Andrew McCutcheon on the team, I'm just not sure it, it's a fit. I think – my opinion is, and I said this in my Cubby's Crib article, if you were to get Andrew McCutcheon, you would have to do some shifting. And that means you would probably trade some guys and improve in other areas. 
And I think if you looked a few years ago, that would definitely be worth it because a few years ago, he was one of the best players in baseball. Now he's still productive, but he's not near elite where he once was. I just right. don't know if a lot of shifting would be worth it unless you pulled off a really big trade and you got a big piece. And you're like, okay, we traded these guys away. We got this big piece. Now we can kind of just fill this area in with a guy you know is going to be solid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we talked about this for the last two weeks that guys like Albert Almora and Kyle Schwarber are not safe right now. They are, they're not allowed no, to be on the Cubs roster beginning of next season. And I think with, with some of the weaknesses we saw in the Cubs pitching, especially in the bullpen, I could see one of those guys getting moved. And if they do trade Schwarber or Almora, then that changes a lot. And I think that would open the door for somebody like McCutcheon. Right. There are some areas where you can just sign a guy, not necessarily huge, to kind of fill a role or help things out. That would probably be in uh, the form of a veteran catcher. I think they could definitely use one of those. If I'm looking at a solid veteran catcher that isn't under high demand but still has value as a backup catcher, I'm looking at guys like Martin Maldonado, Matt Wieters, maybe A.J. Ellis. I like him. He can't hit for a lick, but he's a really good catcher. He's getting older, though. He's almost 39. But Jonathan Lucroy, who was once an all-star catcher, could probably come pretty cheap now. And then maybe like a Brian McCann or a reunion with Rene Rivera. This isn't filling in a huge need. This is just kind of helping things out. I don't know know what you think. You know who I think is maybe a little bit underrated in the the veteran catcher department, and he is available, is uh, Kurt Suzuki. That is another interesting name. Yes, I was going to say him, and I completely forgot. So thank you for bringing him up. He had a 2-0 war last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a he's a decent defensive catcher, and he's he's not dead weight at the plate at all. I mean, he he's. I mean, he's not not a big hitter by any means, but he he's not a guaranteed out either. No, and he's been doing his thing for quite some time, over a decade now. You look at his stats last year at the plate: two seventy one, three thirty two, four four four, with twelve home runs. The year before that, he had nineteen home runs, and he had a three fifty one yeah, I mean, on base last year too. I mean, he could still swing the bat a bit. Almost makes you wonder if he'll be starting somewhere, you know, for for a, a cellar dweller team. Yeah, I could see that as well. I could see him being the guy to sign somewhere and then be traded at the deadline. Though I think at his age, the fact that he's thirty five, I think he won't get as many calls to be a starter at this point because he's played in a lot of games over his career. I mean, in Oakland, 148 games, 147, 131, 134 throughout his Oakland years, and then was still playing 130-plus games with Minnesota, 161 in his final year with Minnesota, 81 in 2017, and 105 last year. I do think that he would be more willing now to take more of a backup role. I think some of the other guys on this list are clear backups because they've been backups for a while, like Martin Maldonado, uh, like Rene Rivera, and Brian McCann at this point, who is already 35. I didn't know he was that old. That's pretty crazy. That makes me feel old, too. 
Yeah, he's been around for a long time. What do you think about Steven Vogt? You think he could make a comeback? That's an interesting name. I didn't really think about him. How old is he? I have to look at that. He's mid-30s, probably. 34, 35, somewhere in there, I would think. He was an all-star in 15 and 16. And currently 34. 34, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because he, he was that was his first all-star appearance in, what was it, 2015? And he was, he was pretty old. That's pretty old yeah. for your first all-star appearance. He didn't make his debut in the majors until 27. And he didn't play right. 136 games until age 30. You know, he didn't right, play over yeah. 100 games until then. Kind of a late bloomer. Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of interesting. He cleared waivers on the first of this month and elected free agency. I just know that there's some injury concerns where Kurt Suzuki is pretty durable and some of these other guys are pretty durable. Yeah, I I wouldn't be too concerned with with injury troubles if if we're just talking about somebody who's going to be a backup. Which is true, which is very fair. Um, Jared Soltolamakia, he's on the market, but yes. I, I want him just because he has a really long last name and it just, it's like a an arch on the back of his jersey. It's so cool. Yeah, Boston, that guy could hit twenty plus home runs for you. Only played five games last year and then ten the year before. So I have a feeling Soltolamakia is not going to be picked up by the Cubs. Probably not. Too bad. I liked him, but oh well. So uh, moving on to some other positions. You know, in the outfield, we talked about some cheat guys on the infield before, so we will go outfield here. Bryce Harper is obviously that big gleaming one. You got Andrew McCutcheon. Nick Markakis. I don't see the Cubs getting him, but, you know, he'll he'll draw some value. He's still a pretty good ball player at age 35. Now, here's a name that Cubs fans have talked about for a long time, even though I don't think at this point they're going to go in this direction. But remember how many years we wanted cargo on this team? Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh, going after cargo. I think prime cargo years are long gone for sure. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago he's a hot commodity. Now not so much. No. No, I, I that, that's not one that I would even consider. Yeah, you know, a lot of the outfielders are either old, past their prime, or just kind of at the edge. I mean, you just look at center fielders and right field free agents, the only one under 30 is Bryce Harper. You got Marquecas, 35, Gonzalez, 33, Bautista, 38, John Jay, 33, Lonnie Chisenhall, 30, Melky Cabrera, 34, Brandon Geyer, 33, Carlos Gomez, 33, Chris Young, 35, A.J. Pollock, 31, Adam Jones, 33, Eric Young Jr., 34, Rajay Davis, 38, Austin Jackson <laughs> is only 32. Hmm. Yeah, not exactly spring chickens in the outfield class this year. No, not at all. You want to hear left field? Michael Brantley, 32. Marwin Gonzalez. He is an interesting name for the Cubs. Marwin Gonzalez. He's 30, but, you know, that's not old. That, that's it's no, older, that's, but it's not old. No. Yeah, that, that's... What do you think about him? 
I, I can, I can see that. I'd be, I'd be all right with that. I'm looking at the same list here, and I'm, I gotta say, I'm kind of shocked that Denard Span is 35. I didn't realize he was quite that old. I'm surprised he's that young. Have you seen his beard? It's full of gray hairs. So, yeah, well, I mean, some people just gray early, you know. That's well, just the way it I, is. I'm, I'm guilty of that, so I can't talk. Are you? I'm 24. I'm getting gray hairs. It runs in my family. Ooh, but you know what? Graying early is much better than balding early. If nothing else, I'm thankful that there's really no baldness in my family. And so years from now at whatever 30th high school reunion when everybody's bald and I've still got a big, thick head of hair, that's that's all I can ask for in life. A nice, uh, gleaming head of hair. I could see yeah. it all the bald people sulking. It's, well, here's it's the just, thing. It always I'm makes sorry, me... What were you saying? It just always makes me cringe when I'm walking around and I see guys in their early 20s with their hairline just going all the way back. It's like, oh, my God. I feel so bad for <laughs> – it's something you don't really think about, like, when you're in high school, but it hits you pretty hard pretty early if you've got it in your genes. Well, my genes are not good because on the Greek side of me, men lose their hair very early. On my dad's side – you keep your hair your whole life, but it goes gray, like, by your 30s, which I I, I'd rather go gray and keep my hair than lose it. I, if I remember right, I think it has to do with your mom's side. I think it, 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 if your mom's dad uh, was balding, then there's a good chance you are, too. I don't know that Which you're... is why I'm going to order my toupee. Uh-oh. Maybe it'll catch Sorry, on fire man. like Ron Santos. Uh-oh. But going back to Marwin Gonzalez, his stats last year are not really eye-popping. 247, 324, 409, 16 home runs. The year before, they were pretty good. 23 home runs, 303, 377, 530. And then the year before that, 254, 293, 401. The year before that, 279, 317, 442. I mean, he's had some good seasons. He's never had terrible seasons. If you go back the past five years-ish, there's not been any terrible seasons in there. But, you know, there was one really good season. I don't think Marwin Gonzalez would be an everyday starter on the Cubs, but I think he'd be solid depth. Yeah, but I think Marwin Gonzalez could probably be a starter somewhere, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, I definitely do. I'm just saying if he was on the Cubs – I don't see him as an everyday starter, which is why he's intriguing and worth talking about. I just don't know if it's going to happen. No, yeah, it's it's so hard to know right now. I mean, it really – because like you said, the Cubs don't really have any glaring holes on their – especially in the field right now. So, I mean, there there really is no one obvious guy out there besides of course Harper but that's pretty much the case for every team who who is uh trying to win and soon right exactly yeah i mean i'm looking at the the rest of the left fielders you know you're not going to go after Gennard Span Curtis Granderson no Craig Gentry no Cameron Maben who's been on like 90% of the teams in major league baseball you say no, but I feel like he may just end up as a Cub for one day just so he could say he's played with every team. Matt Joyce, no. <laughs> Matt Holliday, no. Gerardo Parra, Gregor Blanco, Hunter Pence. I think Hunter Pence is going to retire. So 
you look Good. at the free agent outfielders and you probably think the most likely, and when I say most, I mean even in a possibility, would probably be Harper, McCutcheon, or Marwin Gonzalez. Fingers crossed it's Harper. I mean, I don't oh, know absolutely. If you, I don't know if you talked at all when I was uh, AFK with technical difficulties, if you talked about him declining the Nats offer today. The I did, yes. Today anyway. Yeah, three hundred. And I wanted your opinion on that. Do you I'm think that shocked. that was a legit offer, or do you think it was their way of saying just, well, we're going to put something out there and just say we tried, kind of like what the Cubs did with Jake Arrieta, just to say oh, we tried and we gave him an offer, didn't accept it, moving on. Do you think that's the well? Case? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think you make an offer like that if if you really don't want the guy back. I'm sure they wanted him back, but. It, it should come as a surprise to no one that he turned that down because it, regardless of the money, I think we all kind of realized that his Washington days were over. I mean, they were never the favorites to get him back. And you can you can read all the lists you want on the, who the odds-on favorites are, but I wouldn't even have Washington probably in, like, my top four. I think the one thing that catches my eye is the fact that there were no opt-outs reportedly in this deal. And when there's yeah. no opt-outs, that raises a lot of eyebrows. That, to me, says it was just kind of a, we'll give him an offer. He's probably not going to accept it, but we can't say we didn't try. Because you really think a guy of that caliber is going to sign a deal with no opt-outs? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, even Jason Hayward got opt-outs. Right, yeah. If, if he's going to get opt-outs, Bryce Harbour and Manny Machado are no question going to get opt-outs. You Darvish got opt-outs. Yeah, now that you mention that, you're probably right. This probably was the Nationals' way of saying, well, we tried, so they can't get you know stuck with the blame for letting a generational talent like that walk out the door. Right. But, I mean, yeah. let's face it, though. The Nationals don't have Yankees money or Dodgers money, Cubs money. No, of They're not. not quite in that same ballpark. No, 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 no. Like you said, I think it was pretty obvious that he was gone from Washington. It wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to pick up the option. And their 2018 season certainly didn't help that cause either because, I mean, I I believe that the Nationals really, really underachieved this last season. I think they're going to be better. But but if you're Bryce Harper and you're looking at that team and the way they they didn't even make the playoffs, you're thinking, why why am I going to come back to this? It looks like you're trending in the wrong direction. Exactly. I mean, it was just kind of – it was almost like the last straw that broke the camel's back. You knew mm-hmm. that back was going to break, but here, let's break it a little faster with this last straw this year and uh, not even give him a chance to win a World Series with the Nats in his final year. He had chances, you know, I do think you know the whole better. team did, but not this year. I do think the Nationals will be better next year, even without Bryce Harper, because I just think even without him, there's a lot of talent on that team, and they should be much better than they were. We'll see. I mean, you're definitely right. There's talent on the team, and they do have some very young stud guys like Juan Soto. So, you know, maybe he steps up and really continues to do damage. He's still got two of the best pitchers on the team. Yeah, I mean, every every single year you think maybe this is the year Max Scherzer kind of starts to regress, and every year he just keeps mowing them down. It's amazing to watch. It really is. It's like there's no stopping this guy, and he's a sure Hall of Famer. He should probably be first ballot. Let's 
let's face it, he's that good. Oh, yeah, he should be a lock. So I wanted to take the last 10 minutes to kind of discuss some of the latest rumors outside the Cubs not spending a lot rumors. And first of all, I think we know that for fact, Joe Madden is not getting an extension. He's going to be essentially a lame duck manager in 2019. Beyond 2019, who knows? That's a whole conversation on its own. But today, and when you're listening to this podcast, news can change. But as of right now, when we're talking, it sounds like Jim Hickey may be gone. I don't know if you heard that, but that really raised some eyebrows. If you didn't see that report today. I did not see that, no. So Jesse Rogers on the radio says he feels like Jim Hickey is not going to be back. And keep in mind that the Cubs did not announce their coaching staff for next year yet. It's the, the GMs are starting their work and they haven't announced this pitching coach or the whole coaching staff yet. So that yeah, right that there raises some eyebrows. That would be pretty significant. I mean, this would have to be that'd be the first time in a while that the Cubs went into a season with a new hitting coach and a new pitching coach, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be some time for sure. Um, Jesse Rogers said it on the radio earlier on 670 The Score that he feels like he's not going to be back. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, he reported just 35 minutes ago, he said, no comment, RE pitching coach Jim Hickey's status with the Cubs. Says team not ready to announce anything yet, but will soon. So, maybe they announce he's coming back. Maybe they don't. But a lot of the ports saying right now, likely not coming back, based on this initial report. Yeah, like you said, if, if he doesn't come back, that's significant. Who would be on their radar, you think? Frankly, I don't know. I don't know either. And I don't think Jim Hickey did a bad job last year. Yes, the pitching uh, starter-wise had some inconsistency, and did not start off the way we wanted to. But it did come together, and that bullpen was really good throughout the year until injuries and fatigue took over. Yeah, I don't think you it, could be mad at Hickey for not making the playoffs last year. No, I, I, I don't think he deserves much, if any, of the blame for some of the pitching woes. I mean, look what you got out of John Lester last year, an aging guy. And Kyle sure. Hendricks managed to turn things around, and he he looked like uh, 2016 Kyle Hendricks, or was it 2017? It, it doesn't matter. 16. But uh, Jose Quintana is really the only guy that really disappointed me all year long. Uh, discounting Darvish, you know, the injuries that that's nobody's fault. Uh, but I, I would have liked to have seen a lot more out of Quintana. I'm not sure that that's necessarily Hickey's fault, though. No, because you saw Quintana have some struggles in his last year with the White Sox. Then he came to the Cubs under Bozio and played a lot better. Then was kind of disappointing last year. But this is also after he got rid of his cutter. And a lot of people were talking about that. So that's kind of something interesting we could talk about a whole other episode, why he got rid of his cutter. But ever since he got rid of his cutter, the stats have kind of gone down a little bit. 
if Jim Hickey's back, maybe that's something he recognizes. Or if he's not back and somebody else comes in, maybe that's something that they'll fix with him. I don't know. It's early to say, but man, this this whole coaching thing is really kind of bizarre. The no talks of the extension, which makes people believe more and more that 2019 may be Joe's last year. The fact that Jim Hickey may not be back after they've already hired a hitting coach that, you know, maybe the Cubs are saying, hey, we're going to get rid of some of the, quote, Joe guys and bring in who we want. Yeah, it you know, the, the Hickey news kind of surprises me a little bit, but at the same time, I think this does kind of show that the Cubs, there's a sense of urgency there. Like they don't want to waste their uh, their opportunities to win because we we all know this isn't going to last forever. They're going to come back down to earth eventually. But just the fact that they're not willing to stand pat and, and risk uh, doing the exact same thing they did last year, I, I, I like that. Do you think the comments that Theo kind of suggested that it's going to be a pivotal year in 2019, kind of suggesting that a lot of these young kids still want to perform on the Cubs and that there's not going to be a lot of shakeup. Do you think that maybe Theo thinks that shaking up the coaches will bring out the full potential in some of those kids and make 2019 the pivotal year we thought 2018 was going to be? I suppose so, yeah. I mean, some of these guys, they've been around long enough now that it, you can't keep banking on potential forever. At a certain point, you you transition from he's got a lot of potential to this is just who he is. And so in some ways, I think this might be like sort of a final audition for some of these guys. Yeah, again, we'll see what happens. I just feel like at this point, you got to do whatever is necessary to keep the window open. And I think that potential is kind of over with. I think you pretty much know who some of these guys are. You give passes to Chris Bryant because you know he's great for sure. He was just injured. Rizzo is consistently good. You know what you're getting in Javi Baez. You know what you're getting in Lester Hendricks. But, you know, guys like Elmora, Schwarber, I think Schwarber's got a lot of value, but you kind of know who he is. He can draw walks. He can hit the ball a million miles. He's not going to hit for a high average, but that doesn't always make or break everything these days. He's not going to hit the ball for contact a lot. He's going to strike out. Even when he, when he connects, it's going to explode off the bat. If he doesn't, going in the catcher's glove. He's going to swing and miss it. He's going to strike out. Yeah. You know, is uh, is that the full potential they want from him, or do they want a little more? Do they want more home runs? Do they want more of an OBP? Or is this I the think ceiling? I need more. Uh, if, if, he, if he's going to hit two, 235, 240, I think they need more power from him. It doesn't matter if he's going to hit it a mile when he does hit home runs. He just needs to be hitting more home runs. Um, you know, I, I, I get that the, the defense improved, and so his value did improve a little bit there. But if he's going to be just kind of an average hitter, then he needs to be hitting more home runs. Right. I mean, you look at last year. Anyway. Right. If you look at last year, you saw that the on-base was better. He was drawing more walks, but the power was kind of down. Maybe you could blame the Chili Davis effect. Who knows? But I think with – his caliber, you should be expecting 35-40 home runs, not 25-26. Exactly, yeah. 
I think a lot of people would say the same thing. But it's so early in the off season. There's a lot of people making speculations. There's a lot of rumors coming out. And, you know, this is part of the game. You speculate a lot. You make predictions. That's part of being a sports fan. But I just think we're in for something very unexpected. And there's going to be a day where we wake up and we look at the news on Twitter and we just bug-eyed scream our heads off, whether it's good or bad. Something big is going to happen. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for the good kind of screaming, not the bad. Eh, like the bad would be okay, too. Well, you just like chaos, so I'm, I'm not even going to argue with you there. Controlled chaos, yes. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it on this episode of Climbing the Ivy. Uh, next few weeks, we hope to have on more guests, as I said earlier in the show. Adam, thanks as always for being my co-host, even though technology was stupid and you were a little late. What can you do? Indeed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you next week. Until then, have a nice night. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Peace out. Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Smile bright this holiday season. Grove Dental can help by giving you improved dental health with a radiant smile to look and feel beautiful. Grove Dental offers compassionate and comprehensive dental care in a state-of-the-art environment that tailors to your specific dental needs. With 30 dental specialists in four convenient offices in Bolingbrook, Downers Grove, Lombard, and Wheaton. We are Chicagoland's one-stop family dental office. Obtain a wider smile in just two hours with Zoom In Office Teeth Whitening, just $299. Now that's something to smile about. Visit grovedental.com. Dot com.